What's up and welcome into lead block. Happy Tuesday, everybody. I think I'm a little loud coming in already. High that energy on fun. Tuesday for you. Bro. Yeah, we're uh, we're dropping on Tuesday again. I think this, we dropped Tuesday last week. We've been all over the map for Monday, Tuesday, the spring semester. Spring, things get, things have been wacky with our schedules, but that's all cool. I'm Tyler Walters, the voice Matthew you heard, the other voice you heard, Matthew Anderson. Matthew, what's up? How you doing? Doing great. Glad it's spring break, so I know you are probably listening to this on some beach in Florida. Yeah. And Matthew's uh Matthew's still rehabbing on his on his hip. How's that? How was the rehab? Just did two hours of nothing but grueling labor onto my hip. So I cannot feel my legs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're gonna uh we're gonna dig into it. If it sound if we hopefully we sound okay. I'm producing today. Uh like we said, I think we said this last week. Producer Brennan is down working uh, the Players Golf Tournament in Point of Vedra Beach. Um, Where's that at? Let's see. That's right outside of Jacksonville. Oh, so it's okay. literally, I think it's like the it's the beach town of Jacksonville. Even so, even Brendan's in Florida. Yeah, Brendan's Brendan's crushing it down there. He's uh, just talked to him. He just talked to uh, just told Jordan Spieth good luck. Jordan Spieth's been trash the last like five months. He's just not been good. Sounds like he needs it. Yeah, so maybe maybe Brendan will give him a little little swing oil. He'll be good to go. Um, but golf, like golf this past weekend was pretty good too. I missed, I missed Sunday, most of it. I forgot, I just forgot about it. And then I, I thought about it at like four o'clock. I was like, oh crap, I haven't turned the golf tournament on all, all day. Cause I watched Thursday and a good bit Friday, Saturday I was out and didn't watch any of it. Um, and then Sunday I just completely forgot about it for some reason, which tends to happen, but whatever. I'll be tuned in this week for the players for sure. Um, so if you see Brendan this week. Show him a little shout out on the on the Twitter. I don't know what his ad is. It's like at B Lewis something. B Lewis fifty five. I want to say. Okay. Yeah, that sounds right. All right. Uh, but as for us, it's for the lead block. We're gonna start right here in Columbia. Before we, I forgot to mention this. So make sure you're following the show at the lead underscore block on Twitter and Instagram. Um, make sure you subscribe to the show. But we'll remind you all that at the end. Uh, and like I said, we'll start right here in Columbia with basketball on both. The, the men's and the ladies. Uh, we'll start with the men. So, did you watch Vandy, them play Vandy Saturday? No, I didn't pay any attention. But it looks like Vanderbilt got the win with the final score of 84-73, right? Yeah, so I was out. Actually, I was out golfing uh, Saturday. <laughs> and I know they played at like 1230, which was early. But they played early, so all the small conferences had the TV time for the afternoon for their conference championship games. Is Vandy's record really 11-20? and 20? They're terrible. Yeah, they've that's their second or third win in the SEC. I want to say second. That's terrible. Yeah, it's pretty trash. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. They're, they're gonna have a chance to play. They might have a chance to play Vandy again uh, this week. But yeah, I mean, thirty. So Brendan, I get back from <laughs> golfing. I walk in. Producer Brendan is he's chilling on the couch. It's like how the Cox do. He's terrible. They lost to Vandy. I was like, what? I hadn't checked my phone all day. Like you kidding me? He's like, no. They they had an incredible amount of fouls. So I'm, I'm doing a little, I, I look up some stats when I get home, see how they did um, later that night, uh, Sunday afternoon too. 30 fouls, 30 total fouls. That is ridiculous. 30 total fouls. And then on top of that, Vandy went 31 of 40 from the line. Oh, so, so they were hitting the free throws. 31 points right there off of fouls that South Carolina, like, this has been like the, all of this year, it's an incredible amount of fouls. And there have been some games, I would say both Tennessee games, where the refs called way too many fouls just in general. Yeah. And I've seen stats from around the NCAA where per game, SEC refs have called more fouls by a lot 
then the next conference. I think the Big Ten was next, and maybe the ACC was right around with the Big Ten. But they were pretty, like, average numbers, and the SEC is, like, seven or eight fouls more per game than, than the Big Ten and the ACC, which is absurd. But either way, how, however you want to shake it, you know, if they call four more fouls on you per game and you're still fouling 25 times a game if you're South Carolina, which is, you know, if you call five less fouls Saturday, they're 25. 30 is an outrageous amount of fouls in a basketball game. Yeah. basketball, 40 minutes. As an AAU coach, as my AAU coach, you say, move your feet. It's like, you got yeah. to be moved, like, uh, unless it's a really tightly called game. It's like, that is, that, that I mean, defense was not being played. Also, you saw Carolina shot 7% from three-point line. Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's not helping you either. The one for 13. Nobody that's, was hitting threes. That, meanwhile, uh, Vandy went a little bit better, 24%. It's just sad. Like I feel like whenever in the SEC when you lose uh, games to like Vanderbilt, it's like, dang, y'all, we're really going down here. Yeah, it's – well, I mean, it's just – like they, they can't get out of their own way. If, if you're <laughs> like you're Frank Martin and something like they cannot get out of their own way. Fouled all year, constantly in foul trouble, like every single game. Uh, just an outrageous amount of fouls. Then, but they're a physical team. Like that is, par- that's partially like how they play. But then, you want to add on top of that when they have been fouled this year, they haven't hit any free throw. Yeah. Like, they did okay Saturday. Um, and as old man, but they have They were like th- what I said last week. They were like three hundred and forty fifth out of three hundred fifty five NCAA teams. Yeah. Like shooting free throw and free throw percentage. That's awful. Like you can't be a physical team, and then. Like if you're a physical team, you're you the other team's gonna respond and you're gonna get fouled. They'll they'll foul a little bit more than they normally do, uh, just kind of respond to like being physical. You got to be able to hit free throws if you're gonna be physical, and they haven't done that all year. That would have won them a few games, and this Vanderbilt loss, you know, wouldn't have mattered as much. But at this point, like your only hope is to like, you know, we kind of talked about it last week, where they were still somehow on the bubble after the they lost three out of four, um, like. They remained on the bubble, and they could have had a really good tournament. When the only time, the only way I really see them getting into the NCAA tournament now, is if they like lose the final by a point, maybe yeah. to Kentucky. So, but which would mean they would have to beat LSU and Auburn probably. Those two teams at Auburn, they're going to have to play LSU if they win their first, their South Carolina's first matchup, um, and they will play Auburn in the in the semis. Uh, if if Auburn were to win in their side of the bracket. Uh, and they would probably play Kentucky on the top side of the bracket. There's Florida and Mississippi State on the top side too, but like, I mean, that's probably your only route now. If if not, you're looking at the NIT, which is, I mean, no one. If, if you haven't watched an NIT game in the last five years, I'll tell you exactly how it looks. It looks like how the Syria soccer stadiums look Saturday when the fans were banned from going because of the coronavirus, <laughs> that's how empty these stadiums are for, for NIT games. Like, no one can, The last time South Carolina played an NIT game, I can't think it was Georgia Tech, like a year or two ago, and no one was there. Kind of reminds me of winning the loser's bracket. That's kind of what it seems like. It, it's it's like a, you're the 69th best team in the country if you make it to the NIT. That's how I look at it. <laughs> yeah, oh so USC will play Thursday night. They're to be determined who they'll play against. Well, no, they, um, they're playing. Yeah, so they're to be determined. But they'll play either Vandy or Arkansas, right? Yeah, and it'll be 9.30 p.m. on Thursday, uh, the 12th. So look forward to that one. Uh, I mean, maybe look forward to it. So, <laughs> yeah, they got they they were at the four seed at one point, which was like, and when they were the four seed, we were sitting here talking about how they're still in the bubble and they still got to keep going. And they just, they've lost, what, four out of six? 
now. They lost four of their last six to finish the season. Yep. And now you're like not there. You're officially like. I looked at plenty of bubble trackers: CBS, NBC, ESPN, not ABC, ESPN. Uh, I guess which is ABC. Um, everyone you want to check. South Carolina nowhere to be listed anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Ghosted you know, from from. Talk. You know when you control left a document and you're like typing South Carolina, like, where are they all yeah, here? Yeah, uh, not found um, is what you're getting <laughs> Zero right results now. found. Yep, zero results found for South Carolina any bubble talks. But, I mean, you're the, uh, if you're Frank Martin, the one thing you tell your team is, look, here's the great thing about this sport versus, you know, college football or whatever, is there is a clear path to win. And even though you have done everything you can to screw it up to get in, you still got a chance, yeah. So you should it. still be be able to motivate this team to have some kind of run in the SEC tournament, uh, if they are really like a decent team. If they're the team that they have been at times this year, like when they beat Kentucky, uh, even when they played um, Mississippi State last time, like they they had a really good timeout, and well, that was what two weeks ago, week and a half ago now. But yeah, I mean that was like a really good game for South Carolina. Like you got to find a way to just keep being consistent. Uh, AJ Lawson was pretty bad Saturday, from from what I was told, from what I read. Um, you can't have any bad. No one can be bad at, at any time. Like everyone has to be playing their best basketball for you to play in this conference now, because the SEC isn't what it was five ten years ago, where it was Kentucky and everybody else. Like there's plenty of good teams. LSU's really good. Uh, Auburn. Auburn's very very good. Yeah. Uh, Auburn's had a great year. Mississippi State's pretty good. Florida's pretty good. Like, there's plenty of, like, pretty good teams. Ar- Arkansas is, like, not a bad team. They got Eric Musselman. I think he's there his first year, second year uh, at Arkansas. Like, they've had a decent year. They've gone back and forth. And the SEC West has been very competitive, too, basketball this year. Like, you're probably you're going to play either them or Vandy again in your first game. Like, you're not going to face any easy, like, lay-down teams, which they've lost to those early in the season, Stetson, Boston. Like, you have to play your best basketball for four games, three, four games, right? So they play the, yeah, four games. Thursday, yeah, yeah, three to four. So it's, I mean, I don't know. Selection Sunday, for for everyone else, though, Selection Sunday is next Sunday. Going to be a great week of basketball. We'll talk more about it uh, on Friday's episode, um, which we'll probably record before the Cox play that night. But is the Cox playing late? That's fine. We'll have some scores and updates from around basketball in general, around the uh the country, uh, Big Ten tournament's going to be great. Uh, ACC tournament won't be as good without North Carolina because there's always, like, that hope that we get the third time this year North Duke-North Carolina. Carolina. That yeah. wasn't much of a game last Saturday. Um, I, I think North Carolina lost by 10. But what, what happened to North Carolina this year? Yeah, I mean, they were bad. But, I mean, I think this is this is one of the worst years they've ever had in basketball. For a while, they, they were on pace to have the worst year they've ever had, which is crazy. Yeah. But, uh... I mean, it is basketball. You just turn around next year and keep going. So yeah. hopefully they're back because Roy Williams, when he's like, when North Carolina is good, just watching him will make you laugh. Yeah. So he's just kind of like that old coach that'll just get a get a chuckle out of you. But hopefully they'll be back. And then like, it's fun when North Carolina is good because they're a good basketball program. Like Duke's always good. North Carolina's always good. Those are two teams you can always count on to be good. And one of them wasn't good this year, and it's crazy to think about. There, there's always a hope in the ACC tournament that you get those two matches up in the final. Um, I haven't looked at the ACC bracket. I don't even know if that's a possibility this year, but it wouldn't surprise me if North Carolina somehow like found a way and just <laughs> went in like it. You're never shocked by them, like even when they're not as good as they are or not as good as they have been. There's always some kind of magic with 
what they have in that system, in that program in general. Like, they, they have a proven track record of finding ways to win, so maybe they'll pull a rabbit out of that. Yeah, I was about to say, being that you got recruited by that program, you are plenty talented enough to get it together. Now, Absolutely. it would be like an outlier performance for you all that year, but you're, you probably have – your roster is probably better than all – not all, but at least probably top three or four at that tournament. So it will be all about getting the job done. Clemson also – Clemson – watch Clemson uh, this weekend too. I mean, they've beaten – they've beaten Virginia – they beat Duke. They beat North Carolina, which we said was just down this year. Like they have splash, like good wins this year. Like it would not surprise me if Clemson went on a good run in the ACC tournament. Like it's if Florida State's been good this year. There, there's still some. It's just ACC tournament is not going to be the same without North Carolina, unless they just surprise us, like we just kind of said. But it's still going to be fun to watch. The Big Ten, I think, is going to be the best tournament to watch. Like yeah. it's kind of crazy, like wide open, like. This entire year, basketball is crazy wide open. Like everyone's getting beat. Uh, the Big Twelve would be pretty good. Baylor, Kansas, Kansas has finished the season like the final regular season poll is number one, um, and I don't know what Baylor finished, but they're up there somewhere. So, but we're gonna go right over to women's basketball with the USC. Yeah, hop, hop to Carolina. them. So they uh, what was the f- they played? Mississippi State. They beat them seventy six to sixty two. When was that, up, Saturday night? That was yesterday, so that's, that was Sunday. Sunday, yes, and that's right. And they opened up beating Georgia 89-56 on Friday, and, and on, what is it, Saturday they beat Arkansas 90-64. to These scores are crazy. Yeah, so they won, what, five of the last six SEC tournaments now? Don Staley, I think, <laughs> like, uh, they've won the SEC regular season, like, I don't know, five of the last seven years or something. I know SEC tournaments, they won 15, 16, 17, 18. Mississippi State won 19, and South Carolina won 20. But, yeah, I, like, Mississippi State, uh, honestly, I was talking to Brendan about it the other day. He was like, oh, the Cox are, I mean, they're they're rolling over Georgia and whoever else they're playing early in the tournament. And they're going to have to play Mississippi State probably in the final. And Mississippi State, if you remember, if I watched the uh, when they were here in Columbia, Mississippi State, that is, that was a very, very close game for South Carolina. That's the closest game they played all year. Um, but and then they responded very well Sunday afternoon. Uh, Don Staley is just like dominant. I don't. If you're South Carolina, like she is everything you would want in a women's basketball coach. Like she's smart. She's very well spoken. She is incredibly successful in the last eight years. Like this is you could not dream this up any better for your women's basketball program. Now, there are very few women's basketball programs in the country that have a legit shot at winning. There's not a lot of parity in the sport. Um, so you're mostly getting the same teams every year. Oregon's been really good this year. Uh, but they've been good for the last few years. Notre Dame's usually good. Tennessee's been on a downswing, but they're coming back. Um, they've been pretty much on a downswing since they, the program lost Pat Summit. Uh, UConn's always good. Like There's certain schools you can always count on in women's college basketball. Just They'll just be there. Like, yeah. Like, at the end of the day, they're going to be the top. They're going to be in the Final Four. They're going to be in the Elite Eight. But for South Carolina, like, Don Staley's built just a monster here. That's what I was about to say. That's And it's interesting. We talk about, like, college football, too. It's like, but which coaches can you bring in to build the program? Exactly. Not to take over, like, an already dominant program, just kind of preserve it. But the, and so the fact that she's been able to come in and build this program the way it is, and, like, a lot of some people, I guess, probably outside the, outside of USC, probably think, like, it's always been like this. But there was a time where it certainly was nowhere near this. Yeah, I mean, this is what you're looking for in a coach in any sport. Um, and if you're South Carolina, like, you got to – like, if you're a fan of South Carolina sport, like, I get it. Like, most people aren't the biggest fans of women's basketball. Um, I'm not I'm not the biggest fan of basketball in general. Uh, 
But like you look at the attendance numbers for women's basketball, they're they're consistently the highest. Like they consistently get the most number of fans in their game, average attendance per year. Like consistently yeah. top number one. For sure. Like I have aunts who don't care anything about like the University of South Carolina. Well. How could I put this? They don't care anything about sports. Yeah. And they're like, they're season ticket holders, USC women's basketball. I'm like, when did you get season tickets? They've kind of gotten people who probably wouldn't really mess with USC too much. Maybe they're fans. They wear the hat. They don't really care anything about it to actually kind of invest in university and go and buy season tickets and well, things of that nature. Yeah, it's that. And it's like the people who like are dying, South Carolina fans are dying for a sport to root for that yeah. is doing good. Because we've been struggling. And I tell you things. what, like the women's basketball team has gotten a lot of support, like very much deserved support here. This is, like, if you can't tell me, if you're the University of South Carolina Athletic Department, that fans don't show up when teams aren't good. Because if you look at the average attendance numbers from 15 years ago or whatever it was before Don Staley got here for women's college basketball, I bet you could count them on both hands. Yeah. And now, like, you're, you're you know, Mississippi, the, when they played UConn, it was a crazy environment. Like, one of the, probably one of the most populated basketball, women's college basketball games in the whole country all year. Yeah. It, like, these fans will go for a team who wins. So, and, and the women's team has proven that. Uh, but, yeah, their selection show is last night, as you're listening to today, so Monday night. They're projected one seed, obviously, and they're going to host here in Columbia um, for the first and second rounds, and they'll move on up to Greenville. Uh, Back to Greenville. Yeah, they'll, which they just won on Sunday night. I saw a video of, of the arena arena. Uh, Sunday night in Greenville, and it was packed with Gamecock fans. The lower bowl was pretty much full with Gamecock fans, which was which is pretty cool to see. Uh, so there, the NCAA tournament starts Friday uh, for the women. We'll move on quickly to baseball here in Columbia. We're kind of hitting all South Carolina sports today. Just just a little round table to kind of top off your beginning of the week for you. Baseball team swept Cornell, correct? Yeah, swept Cornell. Uh, Friday night 10-2, Saturday 10-3, Sunday 6-1. It's about what I expected. Good series. Yeah, I mean, this is just what should happen. Yeah. Right? This is what you should expect. It is a good bounce back from losing to Clemson. I, you know, it is Cornell, so <laughs> don't... <laughs> don't like, get too excited. Don't go... Uh, don't get too excited. Like, it is Cornell. Um, but, yeah, this is this is what you need to do. Don't... They allowed, you know, six runs all weekend. Uh, and they scored 26. Anytime you can, you can win a series 26-6... It's pretty good. This is. But don't get too hyped up. They play the Citadel tonight as you're listening to this at home, which, by the way, if you, like, when South Carolina plays the Citadel in College of Charleston and you are able to go to those games, go, because they are fun uh, when they play Charleston teams. Both of those programs in Charleston have pretty good baseball histories. They're schools, both schools' fan bases that actually go to baseball games. Um, College of Charleston, not as much as the Citadel, but... There's really good tradition around both of those baseball programs. And obviously now you have Chad Holbrook, former South Carolina coach at uh, College of Charleston. Uh, they just beat Clemson last week. I don't know when South Carolina plays College of Charleston, so I'm sure it's coming up on a midweek game. But, yeah, try to try to get out to that game tonight if you are able to make it. And you're, or if you're looking for something to do, Columbia, if you're a student, go. Just hop on your app, get a ticket. It's free. You don't have to stay for the whole game. I get it. Baseball's long. It's boring, whatever. Just just go if you've never been. Enjoy it. Like it'll be a good time. Seven o'clock Founders Park. Yep, seven and o'clock Founders Park. And it seems like the weather would be pretty good, so like probably about sixty eight or something. This like is that. perfect baseball weather. Like these next this week, hopefully pollen doesn't fall too bad for this weekend because if the pollen holds off till next week, they open SEC play with Tennessee at home this weekend. 
is going to be the perfect baseball. That's what I was just about to going ask to be you. Beautiful. So this Tennessee series, this should be, is Tennessee a pretty good team? Yeah, ten. I don't know how Tennessee is there this year to be honest with you. Tennessee is usually average in the SEC. Okay. Um, but Tennessee will start uh, the SEC schedule for South Carolina on Friday. Carmen Lachinsky will be on the mound and unless something weird happens. But yeah, go out and watch that one too. This will be perfect baseball weather. Um, and I think the Fireflies are should be opening up here at the beginning of next month, right around the first of April, uh, which is another another great park to go to. Like that park is awesome. Segra. I would say I would still say though I haven't been to Floor Field yet up in Greenville. That's the other minor league ballpark inside. Well, there's actually four. Um, there's one in Myrtle Beach, home of the Pelicans. They're a Braves or Rangers affiliate now. I can't remember. They swap back and forth a few times. Uh, you got the River Dogs in Charleston, which is the New York Yankees affiliate. The the Mets here with the the Fireflies in Columbia, and the Greenville Drive, which is a Boston Red Sox affiliate up in Greenville. Greenville Field is beautiful. Area around is awesome. As far as like, I can't speak for there because I've never watched a game there. Charleston, like if you're in Charleston and you want to go like have a good time, catch a River Dogs game, that ballpark is incredible. Sweet. It's so like old school baseball, just like. Classic fun, like you're pretty much all you are on the water, basically. Uh, Ooh, there's a marsh nice. right behind you. Yeah, it, it's cool. Like it's it's really cool. And Charleston does a really good job of like just making that team kind of an emphasis in the town. Like, hey, this is what we do. Charleston Friday nights in the summer. Like we, we'll head over to the park and watch the River Dogs. Um, and if you don't root for the River Dogs, that's fine. Uh, because you shouldn't, because they're Yankees affiliates. So go wear your best, like Greenville Drive, Red Sox gear, and then go go out to the park anyway. So how would you say that experience is different than uh, Segra? I like Segra Park a lot. I have more fun going to River Dogs games, just because like that atmosphere. Like it takes a while to build up that atmosphere, and Segra Park's done a great job at starting it. I I just like it a little more in Charleston because it's been connected with Charleston for a longer time. Gotcha. It's it's awesome though. Um, and taking nothing away from the Fireflies, they have one of the most beautiful parks in all. Minor league baseball, so yeah, it's perfect baseball weather right now. Uh, you know, we'll get away from from boring you with baseball talk, but South Carolina lacrosse last weekend. We figured we'd mention this. We've been shouting them out all year. They had a tough weekend. Uh, went in undefeated. They played number six Georgia Tech Friday night, Saturday, Friday night. Uh, they lost. Um, suffered the first loss of the season. Georgia Tech was ranked number six, I believe. Um, they did have a live stream up for the game, Georgia Tech did, which is something that me and Brendan were kind of talking about. We're hoping that Cox Across kind of works with someone to do that for their home games. It's good for exposure. Yeah, it's awesome. Like, And the live stream's like, my thing was like the live stream, it, like it wasn't some super like huge production. They had one camera, um, and you can't, obviously it's not the best, like you're getting, it's club across, like you're not going to get the best stream, it's not going to be in HD, like you're not going to have 45 different cameras. But, like, a good, like, decent, so where you can just watch it, like, kids around campus can watch it, because they're a big draw on campus right now. Um, but, yeah, they lost Georgia Tech Friday night, and they lost to New Hampshire Saturday. Uh, New Hampshire beat Georgia Tech as well. Um, but, yeah, the live stream is good to at least be able to watch them. So I hope that they, like, kind of get to go that. And um, we're, we're, let's say, in talks of getting um, someone from the lacrosse community, from Gamecocks lacrosse, I don't want to say the program, maybe. Maybe that's the word. Yeah, I think we say program. Um, a club. I'm coming in, yeah, to, to interview for the lead blocks. So look out for that. But, yeah, we'll talk with we'll talk with that person about that. But 
Uh, also, for Carolina softball, as you're listening to this, y'all be listening on Tuesday, so we'll play Coastal Carolina in Conway, and we'll bring it back on Wednesday to play Winthrop University here at uh, the uh, Carolina Softball Stadium. The softball team's doing pretty good the last couple of years, too, so they they were really close to making it to Oklahoma City the last couple of years. Didn't make it. Um, they've got some work to do. Would you like to go out there for a game? Uh, yeah, the softball field's fun. It's fun. It's where the old baseball field used to be, Sartre Field. Um, spent a lot, a lot of time there as a kid. But yeah, I covered covered a few games for him last spring. Really good time. I mean, like you're sitting on top of the field, like you're close at Founders Park. Like you're even closer to home plate at um, at the softball stadium, and you know there's a decent crowd there. Like it's mostly parents and stuff, like and students. But yeah, like that's also another fun thing to do. Like if you're looking for something to do over spring break, like there's plenty of stuff. Just go to one of these spring sports. Um, Cox hockey advanced to nationals this past weekend so they're going to be i think they're going to be raising money on a gofundme or something so if you follow cock hockey or or whatnot or whatever you want to help them out and get to nationals uh i saw an interview one of the kids did that they're going to start a gofundme to pay for their um trip out to nationals which seth got a fan base students all in all did that for gamecocks across last year and they went out and won the national championship so maybe do the same for gamecock hockey maybe they can get the same amount of success um, that's cool to see those kind of, they're not really a niche sport up north, but I would say in the south, yeah, like a niche sport, uh, lacrosse and, and hockey, like there's not a big lacrosse base here in the south, there's not a big hockey base, because it, nowhere, no ponds freeze down here, Yeah. but like, those are building on camps at the University of South Carolina, and a, and a Clemson, Clemson's a pretty competitive teams too, um, but yeah, it's, those are building, that's cool to see. Uh, yeah, so maybe help them out if you can, if you see them, or just toss them a like, retweet on Twitter, whatever, they, they had a really good year. And we'll dig in now after we're kind of out of the South Carolina loop there. That was a full loop, we haven't oh, done that in a while, we used to do that a lot last year on radio. One last thing, USC Spring Football, I'm pretty sure yeah, Spring awesome. Game is on April 4th, if I'm not mistaken, so yeah. be sure to go out to that. But I did see some of the drills, they've been, they've letting uh, the media, I guess, record a little bit more, like the state I saw in the video, and you can see they're working that under center now. Like the tight end coming, kind of coming out, almost kind of like a bootleg type of situation, and he just kind of sliding out the backfield. So definitely looking forward to that. I think they said, uh, from what I heard, Bobo is uh, happy with uh, what well, Linsky's been doing th- thus far. Like you said before, it's kind of all So smoke. I saw an interesting comment the other day. Um, I'm glad you brought this up, that – their first meeting, Bobo told Holinsky his footwork was terrible and has fixed them already. Like, or, you know, as much as you can fix someone immediately, obviously there's still going to be work to be done. But it's made a, a, a huge improvement in Holinsky's footwork already. Uh, and as one fan pointed out, how is this a problem all year and you bring in an outside guy and he notices <laughs> it first day on tape? Like, probably, I mean, that's something, like, if your footwork's bad and you're a quarterback guy like Bobo is, that's going to be in the first two seconds of, of film you watch. Footwork, terrible. Especially being a what, freshman because like, you have so much like time to develop. What was it like in that room last year that wasn't happening to where you looked at him and said, your footwork is terrible? From what I understand, it seemed What to were be, they missing? Yeah, I was going to say, from what I understand, it seemed to be a lot of, okay, well, it's, he's a freshman. He, he kind of knows it. Like, just because he was such a highly touted guy, but this is a guy coming in clearly an alpha male. It's like, no, 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 you don't have it. And, and you need to develop, so it's probably really good that somebody kind of calls you out. That's how you get better. Yeah, I thought that whole scenario was interesting. Uh, we'll keep an eye on it, but I don't, like that's going to be – that is the one thing to watch this offseason, I think, is, is especially like the last couple episodes we talked about that. That relationship between Bobo and Alinsky is going to be interesting to watch. 
Um, we're gonna flip flip back to some college football stories here. Coral Gables. Yeah, the U. Do a little the U talk. Michael Irvin. I don't even know Michael Irvin's kid was going to Miami in the first place, um, and I'll tell you why in a second. But he announced this week that he's transferring, and I see the first first thing you see. I look back, kind of looking at some of his quotes. So he said, "What in 2017?" Some ESPN.com reporter. Uh, he was kind of he noted the extra pressure that came with having a famous football player father, especially during recruiting. So he says, "This is Michael Irvin, the second talk." Of course, there's a lot of extra pressure. He said, "I would have loved to. I would have loved to have gone and seen a bunch more places, but some of them didn't offer me because they thought, oh, he's going to Miami. Everybody was telling me, oh, I can't wait for you to go to see you at Miami.' So it sounds like he was kind of forced into going to Miami when he would have been open to looking at other places. No, he didn't. Like he was like, I love it, Miami. Like there's no. I'm not saying definitively that I would have gone somewhere else had I went and visited somewhere else, but I would have like." At least, like, it sounds like he would have liked to have that opportunity, and he didn't really get it, and he felt kind of pushed into Miami. And it hasn't worked out for him so far. He's a redshirt junior. He, in his career at Miami, he's got 11 passes for 111 yards. Tied it. It's interesting because this is now the second guy who bet one of the star receivers' son go play tight end because, you know, you have Thaddeus Moss at LSU. Yep. And, yeah, I, I, could imagine, I could imagine there was a lot of pressure. And speaking of former players, so, like, People not recruiting former player sons because they think they know where they're going. That's what Shador Sanders is having a hard time with, too. Because he's like, a lot of schools, like, he's going to Florida State. He's going to Florida. He's going to try to build the program like his dad did. And he's like, no, 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 I'm open. Like, y'all, I'm open to seeing what all is out there. Yeah, I would imagine Texas schools are all over him. Yeah. But outside of, like, Texas, like, don't don't shy away from taking a kid because his dad went to a school. Yeah. Like, especially if you're the you, how are you not all over Michael Irvin? Now, considering... You know, if he's going to be a good fit for your program, if he's what you need, if you think he's a good enough ath- athlete to succeed where you are, don't let the fact that his dad went to a school and is very famous for going to that school discourage you from recruiting someone because you have no idea what these kids are missing. Like, they don't know what they're missing because you're not recruiting them. So why not walk up to him and be like, hey, dude, do you want to go to school and live in your dad's shadow forever? And some of them want to do that as, like, a heritage thing. Like, hey, my dad went here, like, I want to go here. And that's probably how I would be if I was in that situation. I can't say for sure. Um, but, like, if you're someone else, like, if you want to make your own path, like, kind of similar to Muschamp's son. We were talking about that a while ago. Now Muschamp's son isn't a five-star recruit. Like, he's not starting a quarterback. He's a preferred walk-on. Um, but he was like, you know, I want to go, like, get away from, you know, what you do. And there, there, I feel like there are kids out there that, like, I don't want to be, you know, Michael Irvin the second. Like, I have your name. Like, now I'm expected to be you at the U. Like, everything I've ever done is, like, I'm supposed to follow your exact footsteps. And maybe I kind of want to be myself. Yeah. So, like, this is, it sounds like this will be, like, somewhat of a good, like, uh, change of scenery for him. Like, something that he could benefit from. Uh, So, good for him. Like, to be able to step up and just say, you know what, like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, I'm not my dad, like. I shouldn't have came here to begin with, or I should have at least tried, like, made more of an effort to reach out to other coaches and say, hey, I want to come visit you because I'm not just going to go to Miami just because it's where my dad went. Um, he kind of fell into the trap of, like, well, I can just go here and it'll make my dad happy and it'll make all these fans happy. And it's not I'm not saying that his dad was – I'm sure his dad was pushing him to go to the U a little bit, uh, but I don't know how much. 
but a lot of like heat from fans, like, yeah, you gotta go here, you gotta go here, you gotta go here. And I'm sure it's the same with Dion's kid. Like, you gotta go to Florida State. Like, you gotta go. No, you don't. Like, go like go wherever you want to go, dude. It's it's your career. Like, your dad had the right to choose to go anywhere in the country he wanted to go, and he went to Florida State or he went to Miami. It's not you don't have to go follow his footsteps. You can go do whatever you want to do. And if I'm another coach, I'm sitting down and I'm telling that to this kid. I'm saying, look, man, Florida State sucks. They're terrible right now. They can't figure out anything on their coaching coaching staff, and you're going to go get beat up by Clemson every year anyway. You're never going to win a conference championship. Come to Texas. Help me rebuild something here. And, yeah, at Texas, we do have a lot of stars already in our lineage, but you could be part of the team that brings Texas back. Like, you could sell me on that. Or go to Texas A&M and say, hey, look, we're close to winning an SEC West championship. Go look at our schedule last year. We only lost to the best five teams in the country. Like, well, best four in Auburn. And then, like, if you can recruit kids to your school, like Shadier Sanders, you should do that. Don't – it's just discouraging for me to see that from Michael Irvin II. It's like coaches didn't reach out to me because I just assumed I was going to Miami. Yeah, is this in the final and the wise room? A lot of coaches they say recruit the kid. It's like go recruit the individual kid. Don't like because a lot of the coaches get caught up in trying to recruit the parents and stuff. They probably especially like if their dad like was a professional Hall of Fame or something like that. But you're trying to impress them. But when it gets down to it, recruit the kid because a lot of times the kids, especially in those situations, will kind of defy the parents specifically because I want to do something different. Absolutely. So we're gonna see where he ends up landing. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I mean, I don't, I'm not saying he's going to be the next Robin Gronkowski, but who knows? It'll be interesting to see where it goes. Um, I'm happy for him. That's the biggest thing to take away there. A little bit of trouble in our arbor. We're, we're going to lightly dust over this. It's a serious, serious topic. We, we don't ever get this serious on the lead block. But, yeah. uh, so three former Michigan football and hockey players have are started this, or the, the top pieces in this lawsuit against the University of Michigan. This came out last Friday, maybe? Um, accusation of sexual abuse in the, from an athletic department doctor in the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, it's just something to kind of look over and see what happens with the University of Michigan. Just keep an, just like, it, it's, it's sad. Like, this could be similar to a Penn State, like, if someone's covering this up. Um, I, I don't, like, I don't, I have no clue how far this extends. It'll be interesting to see how far it goes. Like, it's definitely a story worth watching. I think Michigan State, that doctor got in trouble with this, too, with the yeah, gymnastics. Yeah, Larry Nasser. Yeah. yeah. That, was, that was crazy, too. Uh, but, yeah, this is, like, seems to be, from what I've read on ESPN uh, and the AP, uh, it, it seems to be very serious in several, several accusers. Um, this guy died in 2008, which makes it a little different uh, because you don't have the guy there anymore to question. Um but yeah, it will. It'll just be interesting to see how the University of Michigan handles it, and hopefully, we can see a university handle it correctly and their fan base handle it correctly. Uh, I think Michigan State did a decent job. Um, Penn State did a terrible job, if you look back at that. And shame on the reporters and the fans for everyone who denied everything that actually happened at Penn State. I don't think we're going to see that ever again. Yeah. Um, especially in the world we live in now. That was several years ago at this point at Penn State, but like. It's it's crazy to think about this is probably happening. It's probably not just Penn State. Like, I can guarantee you it ain't just Penn State and it ain't just Michigan. It ain't just Michigan State that happened at. Um, so these are kind of the steps I think that we need to take as a society if you want to stop things like this. 
So for those that came out and decided to make this step forward in legal uh, lawsuits or whatever, um, just coming out and saying, like, this happened, like, that's a good step into people being aware and telling other people to look out for this and don't allow this to happen where you live. Yeah, and if you know something about it, go ahead and report it. If you know something, say, yeah, if you see something, say something. But, uh, yeah, I mean, just watch that. It'll be an interesting story as, as we move along. Um, I don't know. Hopefully, my like I said, my only hope is that just, everything just gets handled better than they have been in the past. Uh, the other thing we're going to talk about, Quentin Williams gets arrested um, Thursday, late night Thursday. Or something, I don't know if it's late night. Last Thursday. That's no, not Thursday night. Brendan was telling me about this the other day. Uh, so he's carrying a Glock 19 handgun um, through LaGuardia Airport. All right, like, well, he wasn't toting it around. It was in his bag. Um, and I think he was trying to put it in his carry-on or something. So, In New York? Yeah, in, in LaGuardia. In New York? Yeah, so here's the thing. When I, when I saw this story, I knew something was weird, that he wasn't like trying to do anything wrong. Yeah. Because he got arrested for it because he didn't have the proper licenses for it. He has the gun registered, and he can legally carry it in the state of Alabama. So I'm sure when he was in college or whatever, like he had his handgun or whatever, plenty of people do, plenty of law-abiding citizens carry guns. Um, and it's not really weird at all in Alabama. You showed, Alabama you showed up to an Alabama airport with a gun, like, you know what I mean, they'll probably just tell you to unload it. Like, the gun wasn't loaded. He had no ammunition. He was just transporting the gun. He didn't have his permits for it for the state of New York. Uh, so my thing was don't let people freak out about this. Like, he really didn't do anything wrong he just didn't have the proper paperwork uh which you should have you know um he, there's no denying that i'm sure he would tell you that but i don't think anything's gonna come of it i don't think he's gonna have to serve any time suspension uh wise and he might just catch a fine or something from uh from cops or whatever it's definitely um, clickbait because i hear something like that it's like oh big what, time it's like what in the devil's going like my reaction is kind of like why would you have a a gun in an airport, like, do you know what that looks like whenever you're going through the little security thing, they see a gun, but it's like, you actually sit there and talk about it. It's like, okay, okay, I can see how this could happen. It's just like, all right, be more careful. Yeah, and that's why I threw it in, because I don't want to just people see, like, Quentin Williams arrested, gun, airport, like, they're like, oh, he's carrying a gun around an airport, like, this kid's a thug, like, he's this, he's that, like, he's not doing what he should be doing, like, no, like, he, he just didn't have his paperwork right, like, he clearly, like, he no no ammunition for the gun on him, gun was unloaded, um, He's trying to transport it from one place to another. It's gonna, this probably happens all around the country. Like, every day, people just don't have the right paperwork for what they need, and they just don't realize it. And honestly, like, my bigger thing was he wouldn't have taken it to the airport and put it in his bag if he knew that it was illegal in the first place because you know at an airport they're going to see a gun. Yeah, yeah. Like, that, that was the biggest thing that stuck out to me in the first Like, he just, it was just like a, what I think is just, he threw in his bag, not thinking about not having the paperwork, or maybe he thought he had the right paperwork or whatever, like, didn't think it was anything wrong with it, showed up, and he's like, oh, crap. So, cost him a few days' time, gets arrested, now he's stuck in New York a few extra days, so he missed wherever he was going. I assume it was back home to Alabama, I think I That's read that. That's what I was thinking. Um, but, yeah, and whatever happens with that, it sucks for him, he missed a few days at home, but hopefully, like, he's all good. I saw a, a quote from his lawyer this morning that said this, Mr. Williams respects and follows the law. There was allegedly a technical issue with the manner in which the lawfully owned firearm was stored, and we expect the matter to be resolved shortly. Uh, court forms March 26th. Really just shouldn't be an issue for him. Just mix up in, like, how he could transport it. So, I mean, I don't know. Don't just 
don't dig too far into this. Don't change your opinion of Quentin Williams. Well, if you hate him, I mean, you can still hate yeah, him. You got if you're an Auburn fan, add some fuel to the fire. But you know, uh, but yeah, if you're like, don't don't hate the kid because because this happened. this this is just a scenario where I think reports look a lot worse than they yeah. are. Uh, Dak Prescott, new question, new contract question mark. So yeah. saw this this morning. Yeah, so that they finally the Cowboys offered the twenty six year old a contract worth an average. Of, well, this is all speculation because we don't have the exact details. But uh, somewhere around an average of thirty three million a season with one hundred and five million guaranteed. Though although it is uh, though it wasn't clear if that was totally fully guaranteed at signing. So the, it seems like the holdout was worth it. That's what it seemed like to me. Yeah. Like all that talk last year was worth it. Uh, we're gonna see if they if he goes ahead and signs or, they, or does he want more? Because you know I guess he'll take that him and his team on a good negotiate and sit there and think about if that's what they want or not. But uh, yeah, sounds like the negotiation is worth it. So then that being the fact they're still offering the new deals. Yeah, I got a few hundred thousand on this one. So first of all, I saw his, Cowboys are offering Dak thirty three million a year. Uh, Cowboys is one of the richest franchises in all sports. Yeah. So like worldwide, I think I don't I don't know they're they're in the top five for sure. Um, I don't want to say for sure, but. $33 million a season for Dak Prescott. He would be getting paid less per season than Big Ben, who gets paid 34 and Russell Wilson. Big Ben, you could argue that he's not worth 34 uh, especially when he didn't play this past year. And he's getting old, like he's aging. Um, I can see that argument. But Big Ben's also won a Super Bowl for Pittsburgh. He's been there forever. Like He's going to get you into the playoffs no matter what. Like You're guaranteed to go to the playoffs and Mike Tomlin, like everything that they run there in Pittsburgh. Um, I don't think that press is worth $33 million right now. Yeah, see, this is an ongoing Russell debate. is Russell's worth is 35 like, no doubt. Like, yeah. I don't, if any, let's say, if anyone's worth it, Russell would be in that conversation to be worth it. See, this is where it gets dangerous for teams to not going to give the guys a contract earlier because now sometimes you have to reset the market. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So instead of offering him back when you probably could have, but he was always saying that he wanted, like, somewhere in the upper, the higher 30s. But this is why you try to go and get him signed earlier and before. Uh I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this. I don't know if Dak is as crucial as a piece for them to win the Super Bowl. That's my thoughts on it. Like, you could go pick up a... Dak's a good quarterback, but sometimes he's bad. Yeah. Russell Wilson is rarely bad. And then the fact that Dak, uh, his Very stats... Very rarely bad. His stats increased tremendously whenever they got Amari Cooper, and they have to give Amari Cooper a deal, too. So And because of the salary cap, you can only give so many people deals. Now, it's so funny that Jerry Jones throws this out, like, okay, the salary cap, otherwise I would do it, but just we have to keep everybody under a certain amount. But he was one of the owners that pushed to get the salary cap, which makes sense from a business standpoint, but it's like he kind of pushed the agenda. Now he's like, look, this is all I can do. But with that being said, uh, and they're also saying Amari Cooper might end up walking away. If he likes Dallas, but he might end up walking away. But they have to get—they have a lot of key players. They have to pay a lot of money for, so some have to go. But I'm is pretty it, sure they're gonna get this thing worked out. My thing is like, if if I'm Jerry Jones, uh, and thank God I'm not, but like, you got a new coach coming in, Mike McCarthy. I would try to trade up and try. I would try to trade up in the draft, take you whatever quarterback you want. And start over from scratch on a rookie deal because, frankly, Dak is. I just there's no way he's worth thirty million dollars a year. Like it just, it just isn't. Like Dak's and Dak is. I would say maybe he's a top. He's just probably a top. Definitely top ten quarterback in the league, right? You don't have that many quarterbacks that are good. Like how many how many NFL quarterbacks do you look around and say like, all right, like he's good. Like I want him on my team. Like he's he's worthy of starting all sixteen games. There's not a lot of them out there, really. Um, so he's in that category. 
What is he, $33 million good? No, I don't think so. But on the other hand, if you want Dak, this is what Dak wants to get paid. And if you really want him in particular, this is what you're going to have to pay him. I wouldn't want him in particular. But if it's what Jerry Jones wants, what Mark McCarthy wants, then get him. Like, yeah. Pay him if you want him or just let him walk because I don't think Dak is going to get 33 from anyone else. But he could go get 25 from somewhere else. So if there's there's a reason he's asking for 33, um, and if you want him in Dallas, pay him his money. So yeah, that I, they, go ahead. I think also part of the thing that's coming with them is he's saying like the, his agents probably battled his leadership skills, and also with being the Dallas Cowboys, Dallas Cowboys quarterback, what all comes with that, which I guess could be used against you and for you, because he because one can say if you if you're with our organization, you get a lot more notoriety than you might get in a smaller market. I would say so. But at the same yeah, time, if Jack like, Prescott was a quarterback in, in Jacksonville, you think as many people would care about him? Yeah. So with that being said, so that on one side of it, on the other side of it, it'd be like you need a quarterback like me to in these one of these major markets like Dallas. So we'll be interested to see if they get that thing signed. I'm sure they will, though, before they end of this offseason because they've yeah. been battling with it like, for a whole year now. So they have until Thursday to franchise them, and if they keep them exclusively, it's going to cost them around $33, $34 million anyway. They franchise um, them. They're going to pay them a lot for this year, but then it is a short-term deal. Yeah, it's it's one year. It's It would be 30, $34 million, so which would make them the second. 33 $34, which would make them the second or third highest-paid quarterback anyway uh, as far as average annual value. Yep. But I don't know. We'll see. I don't think he's worth it. Uh, do I think? Jerry will do it. Yeah, I, I think they'll. I think Dak will be a cowboy, like no matter what. Yeah. I don't think he might get franchise tag, but I think that he'll eventually reach a deal with Dallas. Yeah, because and then with Deshaun Watson probably be getting his contract this off season, and then Patrick Mahomes. I would pay Deshaun his. Watson thirty three before I paid Dak Prescott thirty three. Like no, like yeah, no question. You. I'd agree with you, especially because Deshaun like the whole thing's kind of. He's, well, he's good. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I just don't think Dak's got a good. Like, I don't. I don't trust Dak to lead me into a playoff push. I don't trust him in the first round, the you know the divisional round, the I don't trust him in the wild card round. I don't trust him in the Pro Bowl. Like I don't trust him to lead me. I think there are just better quarterbacks out there. And if you're gonna pay thirty three million dollars for a quarterback, I mean, why aren't you calling up Tom Brady and saying like we'll pay forty this year? Yeah, if you're gonna pay that much, you better be ready to ride or die with them. But with Deshaun and Patrick Mahomes contract coming up, that's gonna reset the market even more. So they need to go and get this thing done. Absolutely. All right. Uh, another NCAA rule change. We one of the ones that we didn't talk about last week that we kind of we were talking about some other ones that were in there. Um, so potential targeting rule change. Uh, so now if you get if you're get called for targeting and it's a or I guess I don't want to say convicted, but I guess convicted is the right word because they immediately review it. And if you're guilty of targeting, you're thrown out of the game. You got to go in the locker room uh, immediately. Now they're thinking about changing it to where you just can stay on the sideline for the rest of the game. Um, I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I mean, to be I... honest, like it's weird. It is, I, I do always think it's weird that they have them go in the locker room for the rest of the game. Uh, now, if you're throwing a punch, yeah, you need to be escorted off the field. If you are targeting, like. I don't see why you can't just stay on the sideline, like, with your teammates or whatever, help them out or whatever, like, mentally, or just say, hey, I saw this in that play, like, you need to be doing this. Maybe make them go in the locker room and change, like, out of pads and stuff. That's what I was thinking. I'm like, just street clothes, come back out there, and it's like, okay, like, I don't think he needs to get sent in, because most of the time it's not intentional. It's like he's, yeah. like, making a hit. Now we're in Ohio State's in the, what is that, the semifinal, and the guys go to the locker room, and he could have been a lot of assistance to the backup guy. Yep. So I think that'd be fine. I think most guys will, I don't know, because you don't want to. Yeah, I wouldn't see. hate that at all. Like, I, that wouldn't bother me at all. I think it's weird they just have to go in the locker room, send them in there, tell them to throw on some gym shorts, come back out. Like, to just take pads off and come back up. Yeah, be just a part of the team. But yeah, other other one I saw is this. Uh, you're going to, I don't, this is so weird. 
No more than two players on a team may wear a given number, uh, which I thought was already a rule. That's you can have one on offense, one on defense. And the players may not play the same position or be on the field at the same time. Like, that's already a rule. Zero has been added as a legal jersey number. I, I hate when people wear the number zero. You hate it in all sports? It just, it just bothers the hell out of me. <laughs> so, like, wait, just pick a number one through 100. Like, one through 99. Just pick one of those. There are so many numbers there. There's 99 of them. Yeah. Just pick one of those. You don't need to pick zero. Yeah. Like, it, to me, like, zero is, there's no value there. Like, I guess it's just an identification piece to begin with. Like, that's all your number is. But like, I kind of like it in basketball. That's I what don't, I'm saying. I don't mind that. It looks good. I don't like the double zero. Yeah. I like just a single zero. That's fine. And also basketball, there are less numbers because you can't wear certain numbers, but we can't wear like 17 or whatever. I don't, I don't know. However, those old time basketball rules go. I think they've changed some of that actually. But yeah, it's, I I don't want to see it. Like, I, I don't know. It's not really going to bother. It'll just bother me when I see it on Saturdays, but like, I don't really care that much. It's like, it was, it, I feel like it's like the guy with the mohawk. Like, you would wear number zero. Yeah, you know yeah, it's kind of stuck up, like, look at me move is what I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I don't you, like you know you don't like I don't mind it in basketball because it's, it's like, normalized in basketball. Plenty of people wear zero. Uh, Sundari Sonoma wore zero here at South Carolina. Like, plenty of people wear zero in basketball. Baseball, I hate it. It's such a look at me move. Um, but, wait, whatever. Uh, what else we got? Oh, Tim Tebow reassigned to minor league camp. Went 2 of 13 in spring training. He did have a home run, though. Um, so I'm a little sad about that, but I, I'm now, like, the Mets are, they're cursed. Um, I'm going to officially project that they don't win a single game of their 162 games this season because they're sending Tim Tebow down. Like, they're done. Uh, he's going <laughs> to put some kind of curse on them. Like, Tim Tebow has powers that you just don't have. Um, so until they call him up or... You know, just he doesn't need to go play in Syracuse and AAA. Like, he needs to go play in City Field every night because no one goes to your games anywhere, and your team like kind of sucks. I don't even know if you have a manager right now. I have no clue what's going on with the Mets. They stink year in, year out, and it's not that they have some of the best fans in baseball. I would say Mets fans are probably top six in in baseball. Um, but like, it's just I, it's so disappointing. <laughs> it's it's it hurt me. It really hit me where it hurt. Should have worn my Tebow shirt today in honor of, of Tim, but um, you know it, it's it's sad and the Mets are just gonna suck and they're not gonna win a single game. So that's on them. Um, they chose and yeah, life. I'm gonna keep rooting for you, Tim. So if you can hear me, please retweet the podcast. When I tweet out the link, I would appreciate that. It would give us give us a few more listens. Um, and if you'd like to come on at any time, we have an open invite for Tim Tebow. Anytime you're in Columbia or within Skype distance. Uh, we will have you on the lead block gladly. But, yeah, Mets officially, my official prediction, 0-162 this year. Um, <laughs> last thing, we're going to wrap up on this. Lakers had, what, two pre games this, this weekend, this past weekend. They had uh, Giannis and the Bucks and Kawhi and the Clippers. Yeah, and they were able to win both of which, which was kind of crazy. Most people thought they would split that series one-to-one, but they were able to take care of both of those. Uh, folks, that that is going to be the Western Conference Finals. Unless something drastic happens, you will see the Lakers versus the Clippers. I I would root for the Clippers. I, I really would like to see them. Uh, I'm a big fan of Kawhi Leonard. I love those guys like him and Paul George who went to San Diego State, Fresno State, and they come and dominate the scene in the NBA. So I'm pretty sure that's going to be uh, the Western Conference Finals. Now, I don't know if the Lakers – I mean, I don't know if the Clippers will be able to beat them, but I will be rooting for them. And I think this is the third time that they've played one another. 
And uh, this is the Lakers' first win. Yeah, things are just different in the playoffs, though. Like, in any sport, but especially in, like, basketball. It's, yeah. And baseball, too, because there's such a long season. Like, when you play someone just in the middle of the season, even if it's a rival, like, whatever, like, it mean, it definitely means something, like, no doubt. Like, you want to win that game. But if you don't, like, just kind of push it's, it off. It, it gets to be too much energy, like, for a baseball. How many games is a baseball year? 162. So, 162, you press about each game. It's too much energy. It's like, just learn something, and we'll keep moving. Like, you definitely get up for those games. Like, when the Red Sox play the, the Yankees, like, in the middle of the season, like, they want to win, like especially now. In years past, like it's either Red Sox been terrible. In the last couple of years, that rivalry's kind of come back. But since two thousand four, like it's pretty much just been like, yeah, Red Sox bad, Yankees are somebody's bad, or like there's just not as much energy as there was uh, in between like twenty ten and like I don't know now the last two years. So it's I don't know. It's you get up for those games and you want to win them, but at the end of the day, like. If you win your division or whatever, if you're in the playoffs, it it doesn't really matter because if you play them in the playoffs, what you did in the regular season against each other just doesn't really matter. doesn't matter. All it is really is film. It's months ago by the time they get to the playoffs. It's, it's months. It will be. They'll play the, that series in what June, the end of April, June. Like it, they won't even remember this game. Yeah, I was about to say even the film. Like I mean, you probably get some basic tendencies, but those players have changed their approach yeah. by so much. But yeah, and also there's a big battle right here to see if the Greek Freak wins the. MVP race or LeBron is kind of swaying both ways. I'm definitely on the LeBron side of things. Giannis had a bad night the other day, though, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, he had a real sure. rough night from what I saw. I'm pretty sure. And also, I remember Brendan asked earlier in the year, who would you rather to start your team with, Zion or uh, Luke Don? Luke Doncic. Luke Doncic is a is a monster, and he's like 21 years old. He is a freaking monster. I changed my answer completely. I would go with him. I like the I like the effect that Zion gets. He's explosive. He gets fans in the uh, seats. But right now, Luka's just a much more dominant player, in my opinion. And, then, like, just because with the fact of, like, how, how long he's been playing, obviously, but Zion's been playing that well, too. But he's just a little more skilled right now. Zion is operating a lot of for natural talent. Luka is more skilled. And that's just my opinion on things. Okay. All right. The only the only opinion that I have on the Mavs is uh, I was watching Shark Tank last night. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and, uh, and somebody called uh, Mark Cuban Cubes, and he, he said he was out immediately just for calling him Cubes. <laughs> yeah, you you make you make as much money as him does. He wants some respect behind his name. Yeah, I mean, like the internet calls Mark Cuban cubes. Like everyone does that. Like it's kind of a joke. Like <laughs> the dude that to his face is bold. <laughs> yeah, but if you're going and trying to get like, I think the guy was trying to get like two hundred grand from for twenty percent or something. I don't know. And you call Mark Cuban cubes, like, dude, come on. You don't want that money. This is a game too. If you do something like that, that is hilarious. Just the attempt of it. Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, that's. But also, I give the guy credit. Like that's either <laughs> one of those things. Like, you either you say you call him cubes and he loves it, or he absolutely hates it. Yeah. yeah. And you, it's a binary. There's one way or the other. You know, like immediately whether he's in or he's out. <laughs> cubes was out, dude. He was out. He yeah, was out, and I like you got to respect. Yeah, because one could say it's like nobody else had the balls to do that. But like you said, if you're out, you might be kicked down the ass and never come back. So that's just how that goes. Yeah, uh, I don't. Me and Brennan need to start Shark Tank podcast. We watch way too much of that crap. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it was it was good. Uh, all right, so that's gonna be it from the lead block for today. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter and Instagram at the lead underscore block. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on uh, Apple Pods. Follow on Spotify. I don't know how it works on Stitcher. I think you just hit a little button. Whatever. It's some kind of subscribe button or follow button. Click that. So when we drop, you get us downloaded. 
already ready to go. It'll pop up and say, hey, you got a new episode of Lead Block waiting on you. Um, leave us a review. Rate us five stars. Uh, tell us what you think. Let us know. Hit us up. DMs. Um, comments. Whatever. You know, Matthews at MathChosen1 on Twitter and Instagram. Give him a follow. DM him um, or the show. Like, whatever you just DM both the Twitter and show and myself at TylerWalterCNR. If you just can't reach us, we'll, I mean, we'll definitely get back to you. We're, we're constantly, we're pretty good about checking messages on social media, at least within the day. Um, but yeah, uh, let us know if you have any questions, comments, whatever, anything you want to talk about on the show. We will certainly do it. Um, I think that is about all. We got one more show this, I think we got two more without producer Brendan. So I'm, I'm doing the, the little bit of the producer Producer, hosts, whatever. Taking two roles. Taking two roles this week. So that, that'll that be interesting. Hopefully everything sounds good. Uh, Brendan will take care of it. If not, he, he's still doing the editing. So thank God. But, yeah, turn on the golf tournament. Look out for Brendan this week. He's he's in the caddy room somewhere, but I'm sure he'll be scrambling around the course at some point trying to look at some shots. Uh, and, yeah, that'll be it for us. Conference tournaments start this week. We'll talk about them on Friday. Uh, and we will get ready for Selection Sunday, Friday as well. We are heating up. We are, March Madness is here next Thursday and Friday. I'm going to be glued to my TV. This this week, not as much. Next week, for here we sure. go, boys. Here we go. Go pull out your B-dubs gift card that your grandma gave you for Christmas. Get it ready to roll for next week. All right. We'll see you next week. All right. We'll see you Friday. This podcast is part of the Garnet Media Group Podcast Network. Garnet Media Group is a partnership between student-run media outlets at the University of South Carolina. Find out more about Garnet Media Group's podcast and other student work on garnetmedia.org.